0: It's an honor just to be podcasted, a highly opinionated experiment in tricking my husband into giving a -a break-a-leg about award shows. I'm Christopher Basile, and I'm the actor-manager of this production.
1: Oh, God. (laughs) And I'm Alexander Price, and I'm the producer that's forced to sit and watch this train wreck.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for that. You're welcome.
1: That's what Uh, I'm here for.
0: Yeah. So, as promised last time, we are not doing another show about movies. Yay!
1: <laughs> Hooray!
0: And I thought because this would be coming out uh, about a week before the Tony Awards that I should do something related to that. And I thought that a fun thing to look at would be the unusual history, I guess, of the way the Tony Awards have treated revivals. In
1: a very unusual history... This is how they treat revivals. No? Oh,
0: I was waiting for... Uh, no. Seeing if you were doing more of that. No. Okay. Just... Good. It's
1: a revival. It was a revival. It
0: was. It was a revival. A very successful
1: revival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exceedingly. I'm on my streak of knowing things. <laughs>
0: I'm actually knowing things. This oh. is fantastic. So I'm going to take a step back and do an incredibly brief history of theater in America because I feel it's a little important oh, to God. Understand. History. I... This whole thing is history. I know, but this, this is entire a, thing is about history. It's the most ways. history it's been. Yeah. Um, the reason I'm doing this is because uh, when you think of American theater, a lot of the times you think of, uh,
1: Oklahoma. T- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, yes, you tend to think of, uh, the, uh, 20th century in terms of sure. Broadway being big thing. What I'm wanting to take a look at is how theater existed briefly, uh, before this to be, Short. When do you think the first uh, theater was built in the United States? Pr- like,
1: like Broadway theater or just theater?
0: Let's say theater. Wild guess.
1: Eighteen ten.
0: Seventeen fifty.
1: Okay. So, like, I mean, my, was, immediately. Yeah. Before we were a. <laughs> yeah. Country. Exactly. So it wasn't an American theater.
0: It was in the Americas.
1: Oh, mm, <laughs> that was tricky <laughs> because an American theater would have been after. Yeah. So, ha.
0: Yes, in 1750, uh, the first significant theater called The Theater on Nassau uh, Street. Lazy. Yeah, I know. Uh, actor I mean, managers. Did you mean
1: Nassau? Yeah. We're going to get letters.
0: We are. Uh, actor managers Walter Murray and Thomas Keane built it and primarily did Shakespeare and ballad operas. Sure. Like, uh, Beggar's Opera, those kind of things. Okay. Okay. And uh, the first professional theater company was Lewis Hallam uh, bringing his troupe to Williamsburg. And it was
1: called The Theater Company.
0: Actually, it was just called the Lewis Hallam Theater Company. Oh, yeah, so um, that company. was in Williamsburg, and so actually, the first theater was built in New York. Oh, in what at the time? Well, not at that time, but what later Would become uh, Brooklyn be considered part of Broadway.
1: Brooklyn? Yeah,
0: it's a anyway.
1: There is it. There is a Broadway in Brooklyn.
0: There is so. This company that arrived in Williamsburg brought popular plays from England. Again, Shakespeare, but also some things that were a little more contemporary. So, even the first things that were being produced in the United States were not from America. Okay. There was not really new playwrights Playwright, plays yeah. happening. Now, this is something I didn't quite know, but apparently, theater was considered in America to be ungodly.
1: Oh, I mean, that was everywhere, kind of.
0: Sort of. But, like, in and England, th- it was more about, like, Uh, disease and rampant and prostitutes
1: okay but if you also think of like puritans coming over oh yeah
0: like the people who were too religious for england came to the united states theater yeah
1: women bodiness
0: (laughs) and so they were ran out of they were ran out of town by religious organizations within two years and they fleed to jamaica
1: jamaica (laughs) queens
0: no (laughs) And it was his son, Louis Hellstrom Jr., that founded the American Company and presented the first professionally mounted American play, The Prince of Partha, by Thomas Godfrey, in 1767.
1: Ah, uh, Yes. That, that uh, play... Very famous. Yeah. Play. The Prince of Partha is about a beggar who becomes, through madcap events, the prince of the country of Partha, which no one knows where it is, but someone... Heard the name Partha while he was standing there, and he became the prince of it. And, and... he
0: lived his life as a side scroll. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic! Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm here for all your hot takes.
0: Yes, uh, many states in the 18th century uh, banned performance of plays, including Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and during the Revolutionary War, almost every state.
1: So all of 16 states. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: Well, not 16, 16.
1: How many were there? Mm.
0: Look at the flag.
1: How many were there at the time? 13. Okay. So mine wasn't <laughs> that crazy. Took you a second. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in
0: 1794, Timothy Dwight the fourth president of Yale College, wrote in an uh, essay on the stage, To indulge in a taste for playgoing means nothing more or less than the loss of what is most valuable treasure, the immortal soul. This was apparently something that was generally thought of. George Washington apparently didn't like theaters happening, especially during the war. But he still- It, at-
1: it took away from the war effort. Mm-hmm.
0: But he still attended plays at the same time
1: Well, in theaters. he was a statesman. He had to.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it resumed uh, primarily in New York in 1798. Uh, and this was the first- uh, From this point forward, this is when larger permanent theaters start to get built. Uh, the Park Theater-
1: Rather than like- a uh, a wagon with a stage, <laughs> doing Different. passion plays.
0: Yeah, that was going on all the time. We'll see. Yeah, but they started building like really large things. The Park Theater, which had two thousand seats, was built in seventeen ninety eight. The next big one was the Bowery Theater in eighteen twenty six. Followed by many, many more.
1: These are all in New York, or just all over the country.
0: Uh, a lot of them are in New York.
1: Okay, like, but well, they- I guess New York was kind of the capital of of the country.
0: Yeah, it was considered the um the art center of the new world, if that makes
1: sense. Yeah, yeah, but it was also yeah. the capital, the like non um unofficial capital of the country at the time.
0: Yeah. To fast forward and again I'm trying to keep this part brief because Thank you. You could talk about any one aspect of American theater and the birth of it for
1: which is not but, what this podcast is, is about. What,
0: which is not what it is. Uh, American playwright didn't really start in earnest until midway through the 1800s. The, what is considered to be historians, the first musical, The Black Crook, which again,
1: mm. brings
0: up a whole side of things that I am going to let well, someone else talk about.
1: Well, was that what it was about? Because they used the word black, which was not necessarily what they might have used at the time.
0: Yes, but it was. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. Uh,
1: that tracks. That tracks with yes. our history books. Yeah. Um, it
0: was done in 1866, and the revival of it happened uh, uh, in 1873. So 100. Wait. 1866 and oh, 1873. Okay. So now we now we finally get to talk about revival. first revival. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Not a lot of American plays started to get written at this time. But they weren't the things typically that were being done consistently. It was a lot of Shakespeare. Sure,
1: because they had those books already printed.
0: Yeah, those were already printed. They were easy to get. They didn't have to pay anything in order to do them. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. And it was always considered like, oh, this is the classy thing. And American written plays were considered more the entertainments. Sure. Rather than something great. Uh, A lot of the looking at American plays as actually an art form was something that didn't really start to exist until O'Neill in the 1920s. Particularly, he started winning Pulitzers, which was a relatively new thing at that time. But they, he was considered the first great American playwright. Do,
1: we, do you know offhand when the Pulitzer was started?
0: Uh, I believe it was in the 19 teens, but I don't remember okay. offhand. To go back slightly to the way that audiences dealt with this sort of thing, uh, it was considered that each type of uh, theater in America in the 1800s, uh, mid-1800s, started to be divided in class. Okay. One great example of this was the Astor Place Riot, which Robert W. Snyder, a uh, historian about theater, wrote, After the Astor Place Riot of 1849, entertainment in New York City was divided along class lines. Opera was chiefly for the upper and middle and upper classes, minstrel shows and melodramas for the middle class, Variety shows in concert saloons for men of the working class and the slumming middle class. Fun. Yep. Yeah. So during the, that time, theater was a little all over the place. And now we're going to focus more on New York and Broadway. New York theater started more downtown, which was considered the more classy area and was a more central part of the city. With at the Julie time. Brown? Yes, Julie Brown was very important <laughs> in that. Uh, other than... I make
1: myself laugh. <laughs>
0: Well, that is hopefully what we are doing here for other people too sometimes yeah, just sometimes uh the concept of Broadway theaters started to take form uh during this in around the uh eighteen fifties mm-hmm. in eighteen seventy Broadway shows were centered more in by the union square area
1: oh so like way downtown yeah okay
0: uh union square uh it reached the time Times square area in the early nineteen hundreds primarily because. Roads got better. Electricity started to show up. It's wider at that part. It was wider. There was more space. There were actually farms still up, oh, okay. up there to some degree.
1: Tear them down. Yeah.
0: And the land was cheaper, so they were able to build larger theaters. Okay. So that's when that happened. Do you know where the phrase the Great White Way came from?
1: No, I have no idea.
0: It's because they... At first, what they were trying to use... Only phrase,
1: white people were allowed to go to the theater? Uh...
0: I'm not going to say no, but uh, it was because... They realized that colored bulbs burnt out faster.
1: Oh. So, so
0: in advertising, they only used white bulbs. And all the theaters would have all these. And it just was like things. And it was like, up. once you got up there, it was just bright white light.
1: All the electricity in the state went to Broadway. Yes. But they, so they still had to light, by candlelight inside. But they could have bulbs on the inside.
0: <laughs> no. They actually use lights inside as well.
1: I realize.
0: <laughs> Shakespeare prior to this point, was the main... Uh, right, side. we established. Edwin Booth was world famous for performing <gasps> Hamlet. I know Edwin Booth. Yeah, as he, everyone should at this point. The
1: older brother and more talented brother mm-hmm. of John Wilkes Booth.
0: Yes. And he perfor- <laughs> He played
1: Hamlet. He played oh, Hamlet yeah.
0: famously a uh, hundreds consecutive times at the Winter Garden Theater. Right. The same Winter the Garden The same Theater. Winter...
1: Which is enormous. Yeah. In
0: 1865. Okay. What does that date kind of correspond with?
1: The Civil War. And? Lincoln's assassination. Yep. He
0: apparently finished it, I think, within days of Lincoln getting assassinated by his brother.
1: Right. Well, his brother was not as good.
0: No. He was very angry about that fact, that he sucked.
1: Yeah.
0: uh, Runs were typically very short. Uh, The first long-run musical was a 50-performance hit called The Elves in 1857. Mm. I know. Uh, London runs were... Longer, but uh, Laura Keane's, what is classified as a musical burletta. What? Uh, it's like, like a
1: burlesque n- show? Sort of, like a but little like, burlesque show. Oh. But it's like, oh,
0: it's not full burlesque.
1: It's like an operetta yeah. with bur- burlesque. Yeah. It uh, It's just <laughs> one shoulder just a instead shoulder. of both.
0: Like an ankle here and there. <laughs> uh It was called The Seven Sisters, and in 1860 it ran for 253 performances.
1: And that was the prequel to... Seven brides for seven brothers.
0: Exactly. No. But <laughs> it was also, as we're getting to the, this time of Broadway, theaters were getting cleaned up, uh, meaning prostitutes were no longer allowed to-
1: um, Sell their wares.
0: Yeah, to engage their clientele we're,
1: there. We're a family-friendly <laughs> podcast. Sell their wares.
0: <laughs> I said engaged. That's... Mm,
1: both are fine. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. So, all this leads to the creation of Broadway in a closer form to what we think of it as now. Sure. I'm going to do just- More in, history? No, uh, Yeah, I mean a little bit, but uh, real quick. <sighs> um, Ken Bloom observed that just as a way of things continued to transition throughout the 20th century, the 60s and 70s saw a worsening area in Times Square. Because and that
1: led in all the way into the 90s.
0: It resulted in a drop of number of, quote, legitimate shows produced on Broadway. By way of comparison- uh, in the 1950 to 51 season, from uh, May to May, 96 produ- productions opened on Broadway. In the 69 to 70 season, uh, June to May, there were 59, and 15 of those were revivals. Oh. In the 1920s, there were 70 to 80 theaters included in Broadway. Uh-huh. And by 1969, there were 36.
1: I mean, that's a, that is a drop.
0: That is a drop. Uh, a lot of things contribute to this. The fact that real estate in the area was becoming more desired, so they sure. would want to, why do we need so many theaters? We'll tear the down and, and build an office building yeah. or build this other thing. So there's a lot of things that go into that, but just as a comparison to the amount of opportunities to mount things mm-hmm. would diminish as time went on. Okay. I'm going to quickly go into the Tony Awards. It's the- Their
1: theater awards. Yes, Done. their theater
0: awards. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Done. Um, Complete. Yeah. Do you know what the actual name for the award is?
1: Mm, the Theater Wing Award?
0: Actually, that's not a bad guess. Uh the award itself is called
1: Theatre Something New York.
0: No, no. Theater of New York Award? No. Um, hey,
1: that's not bad. That is Theatre of Tom- New York, yeah. Theater of New York. T-O-N-Y. <laughs> yeah. It's the Tony.
0: Antoinette Perry Award for Excellence in Broadway Theater. It's presented by the, the theater American, thing, American Theater Wing and the Broadway League. And I had to look this up because I actually wasn't sure what these two things sure. were. Uh, the American Theater Wing, uh, in their mission statement, is dedicated to supporting excellence in education in theater. It originally it was the Stage Woman's War Relief during mm-hmm. World War One, and then became the American Theater Wing of the Allied War Relief in World War II. So is it a woman's organization? It's a... Uh, it's a charitable organization that does its best to support veterans, originally run by women who did theater. Huh. I had no idea about this. No,
1: I also had no idea.
0: It's one reason why one of the awards that they give out every year has to do with uh, charitable uh, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, amongst yeah. the community. They right. still try to touch on that, that. To some degree, but it's always been like more of a back. But
1: if there's a star there, forget about it. They're getting <laughs> an award.
0: And uh, the Broadway League, and this is the more traditional, it was formerly the League of American Theaters and Producers. It's a trade organization for Broadway theaters.
1: So is that theoretically from all over the country, it's not a New York, the Broadway League is not a New York based thing?
0: Yes. Mm. And this is something that we can go into. uh, On another episode. Another episode. But basically, we always think of like the Tony voters being like people who know about Broadway theater and that sort of thing, which is true. But so many of the people who actually vote on, not the nominations, but on the giving of the awards, Uh do not live in New York. And a lot of the time, and this is. (sighs) Haven't seen them. Haven't seen them. Are only basing their things on reviews and what shows they want to travel to To their cities and their theaters. That's maybe, not. Hmm. You know what would be really cool is I want this show. Another version of hair. So let's give it. Up and then uh, let's give it the award, and then, and then, then people tour. will want to see it when they come to our city. Mm. So, we could talk more about that at a later date because that's something that is fun. Uh, the first award ceremony for the Tonys was held on April 6, 1947, at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel in New York City. Okay. The prizes for the first one were quote,
1: a, a gift certificate, sc-
0: a scroll, a cigarette lighter, And articles of jewelry, such as 14-karat gold compacts and bracelets for the women and money clips for the men.
1: That's great. That's a great prize. (laughs) I don't know why you're getting down on that. I want want a 14-karat gold compact and matching (laughs) bracelet and a scroll. And, and a cigarette lighter. lighter. That's yeah. a great. That's a great prize. Can we go back to this prize instead of just a dumb award, well, a dumb don't need statue? To they
0: still give out goodie bags all the time. That uh, probably includes stuff
1: like uh, that. Anyways. 14 karat gold compact. I don't think so. Hang money on. clips.
0: I mean, I won't say no to a money clip. 14
1: karat gold <laughs> iPhone case.
0: It was not until the third award ceremony in 1949 that the first Tony medallion was given out to award winner. The winners. spinny one. Yeah, the it's a little medallion on a like a spinning Globe C thingy. thing. Uh and then on a uh square base. Uh it was named after Antoinette Perry, uh nicknamed Tony, an actress, director, producer, and co founder of the American Theater Wing, who died the year before the first awards happened.
1: Oh, okay, that's a nice So
0: actually like for once like, Oh, that totally makes sense.
1: Rather than just the Oscar.
0: Yeah, which was just, hey, it kinda looks like my uncle. My uncle.
1: <laughs> ah. yeah. Why do you know what your uncle looks like naked? Ugh. We we already talked about this. Yes,
0: we, need to let, <laughs> we, we need to let go of that. Uh, the first ceremony had 11 categories. This year, there are 26. A lot of them are similar, but there's different names, obviously, for yeah, quite a yeah, number yeah. of things.
1: But we're talking about uh, revivals.
0: revivals. Uh, many rules and stipulations had to do at the time with the theaters themselves, the size, the location, and the way that they are described. When do you think the first award for a revival? I, I should say for specifically a revival.
1: 1948. No. Okay. 1963.
0: 1977.
1: Oh, well, I was so super close.
0: <laughs> so now we get into the what I think will be the more fun part of it for you. I know. I'm sorry. awake. Sorry, I had to do all this I'm space awake. work. I'm awake. I had to I'm do awake. all this space work for you throughout this time from. As I was saying from the beginning, non-original plays were being done on Broadway and in theater constantly.
1: Right. There was no need for a revival because it was just constantly old plays.
0: It was the idea of, well, why do we give you credit for mounting something that's already been done? And let's focus on giving things to new work. Uh, Obviously, before that, people did get nominated for acting in revivals. Right, but the play itself. occasionally direction or a design element or something like that but it wasn't the sense of you're doing something special by mounting this play. Uh-huh. So we don't need to do anything special for the play itself. It's
1: already been done.
0: Exactly. And it didn't help the situation that most of the time they were less Oh, let's talk about the word revival. Okay. What do you th- like what does that connotate to you? Resurrection.
1: Just as um, brought to life, reanimation.
0: Yeah. And I think that goes in two different ways. And I think they're both, like, viable, but it's – There's the idea of,
1: I think, number one, it's the, like, we're bringing back something that was super successful and kind of – re Like, the Bob Fosse revival where it's like we're going to redo all the same choreography and all this kind of same idea. Or there's we're going to completely – redo
0: yes and these are the two very different viewpoints of how people put together these things um i would call the the first way you're describing something more as a remounting
1: yes i agree i agree and
0: that was what was done more often it was the idea that this play was very successful people like this show let's put it up again many times it was with the same like the exact same choreography a lot of the same staging and the main draw of it was either the show's name or they had a star in it that would right. be different.
1: Because it wouldn't yeah. run as long, so it, you couldn't theoretically just keep putting a new person in. Uh, sometimes. Uh, oh, okay. there was
0: There was – I believe the play uh, Life with Father was uh, for the longest Sounds time – Sounds thrilling. It, it, they made a movie version of it, which I've seen, and thrilling. it's very bland. <laughs> um, but until – I think it was Hello, Dolly? It was the longest-running show in Broadway history. Wow. And it ran for like 13 years what? or something like that. Yeah, it – Ran far too long for something like that.
1: And that was my life
0: <laughs> with father. Thank you. It, that's not actually too far off. Of that. <gasps>
1: uh, my, psychi- yeah, my psychic abilities are coming back. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: so there was a lot of more remountings than anything else. I would argue that they're uh, one of the most successful, at least when we uh, think about it in Broadway history. A couple things that happened was there was a Peter Hall uh, production of Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. In which, like, he staged it really interestingly, and people were kind of like, oh, you could do new things new with New things it. with Shakespeare. Uh, there was also the famous Richard Burton production of Hamlet.
1: Right. Which was done in street yeah, clothes.
0: Yeah, it was done in more, like, regular clothes, and it supposedly dived into the more uh, psychological aspects right. of it. And so, like, especially in the 60s, things were starting to change and be done a little bit.
1: They're wacky and they're new and they're groovy, too. Yeah. There Just was like that?
0: Exactly like right. that. Uh, there was a famous uh, revival of uh, Gypsy in the early 70s starring Angela Lansbury.
1: Oh, uh-huh.
0: Who won for Best Actress. Right, right, right. And so, by this time... Hot
1: off the tale of the merms.
0: Yes. And so, in the 70s, we have a couple things happening. We have theater that... Uh Directors who did a lot of work downtown, starting to get work on Broadway more and more in the 60s <laughs> and 70s.
1: Downtown, where it's new, downtown, <laughs> something blue.
0: Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a
1: Tony uh, episode, so I have to sing more on this podcast. Oh, so I okay. Believe. I was
0: wondering what was happening. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were just in a mood because no. on our other podcast, you sing all the time. I do sing all the time on <laughs> those.
1: This one I don't normally, but it is a revival Tony. So I'm being revived through music.
0: <laughs> Wonderful.
1: I'm on brand. Yes. And theme.
0: So during this time, we have a combination of the sixties where interesting work was making its way to Broadway again. Uh, it, that was trying to disrupt the status quo. And then we're also coinciding with theaters being removed and Times Square getting a little more grungy. So the idea of familiar fare on Broadway wasn't necessarily a bad idea. It was reassuring. To some degree.
1: Ah, the good old days.
0: (laughs) So in 1977, the Tonys decide that there's been enough cool stuff happening with revivals or there's also enough revivals happening they they wanted there to be a category for it now this is my favorite detail of it is the name of the category in its first uh, few years it was called best old play <laughs> best old play it was called most innovative production of a revival that's
1: too long
0: it is but what i love about it is the concept innovation. of innovation that it's about not the oh you put you remounted this thing it was about you did something new with it and the nominees in the first uh, time that it happened were, and I'll go into slight detail on these, Porgy and Bess. Okay. Which, and this is important. So the first. Uh, no. So, American opera. No. Okay. But like it, it we Porgy and Bess is famous for many many reasons. Sure. What I didn't know until I was looking this up, uh, to be clear. So it was written in the '30s. It was a opera. It was a sung-through right. show. I knew that. Um. It then, in the '40s, uh. uh an artist, uh, a director, and a company owner wanted to make a version of it that
1: was more palatable.
0: Basically, to turn it more into a musical theater comedy. piece rather than uh, like a opera. Oh, we
1: just skimmed over that. I called it a comedy. Yes. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's real funny. Oh, it's super super funny. Um, and so, a lot of it was trimmed. A lot of the parts that were like sung speech uh, were, sp- turned, were into... turned into spoken word, and it was uh, clipped and made much shorter. And that production was done on Broadway a few times and stuff like that. And this time in was 1977. the full show again. The first time it had been done in its entirety on a professional since stage in America since the 1930s. Wow. And so, you know what? That's amazing. Yeah.
1: There's then. A- they, they were done with the um, junior version yes. of Four Game bass.
0: Oh, and this is the production, which then basically gets redone uh, throughout the world from this point on.
1: The. Full opera.
0: The full opera. Got it. But not just that. I mean, this production, what they uh, oh, resurrected with it, mm. is what's considered the like standard. the standard of where you take it from. Uh, there was a production of Guys and Dolls that was all black, huh. which I didn't know about. I didn't
1: know about that. That actually would be- Fascinating. Yeah. Yes. A really cool way of doing that show. Yeah.
0: Like, huh. That sounded really cool. Yeah. There is a production of Three Penny Opera. Which, which I love. Which was uh so it was originally done in German. Uh in uh Germany in the late twenties, and it was done in America on Broadway the first time in the early thirties and got terrible reviews.
1: Well, we didn't like Germans.
0: Well they also I know said, it was they, they also said that the play was basically filth. <laughs> to
1: be fair, <laughs> that's not that far off.
0: No. And then there's the famous off-Broadway production of it that uh, we know about in the uh, '50s, that had B. Arthur in it. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and this version of it was uh completely like rewritten. It was uh it was directed by and adapted by uh Breck's widow. Okay. And it was turned into more of an American musical comedy, and that was the production that was around for a long time. This production of it went back down into the filth. Hmm. Okay. Um, There is also a production of The Cherry Orchard, which was uh, adapted and directed by Richard Foreman, who is an off-Broadway writer and director. I know Richard Foreman. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, He did all the stuff with... It was like very avant-garde. Yeah. Yeah, with you, like – he's done like the one with like strings across yes, the stage. Yeah, I know Richard
0: He's particularly famous for when he writes a play, he just writes a block of text. Right. And then goes into rehearsal very, with them and basically goes, all right, I'm casting these people. Let's come in. Let's figure this thing out. Richard
1: okay. Foreman also directed Cher on Broadway? No. Oh.
0: <laughs> You're talking about um, Robert Altman. Who Robert did, Altman. Uh, come back to the Five Dimes. Yes, of Dime Jimmy yes, Jimmy Jimmy yes. Jimmy
1: Jimmy. Yeah. Those are very similar people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: In no way are they similar. At least
1: I knew who Richard Foreman was. <laughs>
0: yes. No, that was very <sighs> impressive. So, as a first year for this category, it was a very like, oh, you know what? Good for you guys. Good you mix. Pick, you, you picked uh, an interesting set of things, and Porky and Best won. Okay. Yeah. And also, if you notice, it's Best Revival, and they're both plays and musicals together.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: Yes. This is something that will exist for a little while. Well,
1: and also if their their frame was very narrow of it had to be innovative. Yes. It wouldn't necessarily have give you a like a swath of yeah swath a large swath uh,
0: of yeah Thing of what you're trying to do with it. Correct. Yeah. um, It stayed uh, called that until 1980 when it got changed to uh, best reproduction pr- play or musical.
1: Reproduction now is very exactly. tricky. Exactly.
0: And because like, I, when
1: I think reproduction, I think carbon copy.
0: Yes, and we don't need to go into literally every like thing that Thank got eliminated. One thing I want to definitely point out, though, was that there was a reproduction revival, whatever you want to call it, of "Ain't Misbehaven in 1989. The original musical came out in 1979. Okay, uh, oh That's 78, sound, 78, about right? So, and this production had the same director choreography and entire cast
1: well okay so it was literally, it was the same show it
0: was literally a remounting
1: yeah not even just a remounting it was just the show yeah again. they
0: just like oh hey you're all available come on back
1: mm, did they not win the first time
0: they did it won best musical
1: uh, well this is ridiculous <laughs>
0: exactly and there's a number of cases and that won like no it got nominated it oh, lost okay. to a production of our town
1: <sighs>
0: i know So, uh, don't worry, though, that they learn from this mistake. Okay. Um, And, like, the best example of it is when Cabaret was re-revived a few years ago.
1: Oh, the remounting of the uh, the one with Michelle Williams and Sienna Miller and everything like that.
0: Exactly. That one, when it came out, there was a lot of questions about uh, whether or not uh, it'd be allowed to do a lot of things. uh, It would be eligible for a lot of things. Okay. And they specifically decided... The only things it'd be eligible for would be the actors who were in it who weren't at any part of the previous production. So Alan Cumming was not nom- uh, not eligible.
1: Got it. But but Michelle Williams was.
0: Yes, and it did get two nominations for the two supporting actors in it.
1: The supporting actors of Max and.
0: No, not uh, the the older gentleman. The the, the older oh, couple. Okay. The two of them. Uh, the the guy was Danny Burstein. I'm blinking on the woman's name. But uh, the two of them got nominated, and those were the only nominations for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, here's the other aspect of this that politically, when it comes to uh, best revivals, the award is given to the producers Uh of the revival. Right. I mean, there's a lot of obvious reasons why. If it's like a lot of the time, the writer is dead.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: Or in theory, that the play would have been up for a Tony previously, in which the writer already had an award, either won or was nominated. So it didn't feel like it was as necessary, and it was about the production of it anyways. Sure. And that was part of the thought about it. There's also this very odd thing that I've started hearing about when it came to certain shows and stuff, that if the show wasn't eligible or didn't win in its original run, some people still consider it an award for the, the written play mm. itself. And Our Town came out before the Tonys, and this was the only time it will win a Tony for a production.
1: I mean I so, get that reasoning. So
0: there's a lot of people goes like, "Oh, our town is such a great play. It deserves to have an award." But it's I don't like that.
1: I yeah, it, it that throws it into really murky water where yeah. I don't think we should be because sometimes a lot of revivals take bad material. Yes. And turn it into something entertaining because they've totally redone it. Yes. And it has nothing really to do with the -hmm. The base material.
0: Yeah. One last little thing about the divisions of everything. Uh, The category is finally split in 1994 into separate plays and musicals.
1: Okay. A lot longer than it should have, maybe.
0: Yes. It (laughs) did very much longer. I want to talk a bit about what you were just saying about Uh the idea is so you and I, I think, agree a lot on this sort of thing about what constitutes a good revival. Yes. And I think that there's a couple of cool stuff to look at, and this year is one of them. Okay. So there's a. Fun little rule that uh, in relation to this splitting of the category in 94 in 94, they kept it in there and the wording is still in the stipulations. If there are not enough revivals, uh, it is possible under a current Tony rules for this category to return to go back to a unified best revival. Uh, Okay. Uh, so if if,
1: if for whatever reason like that year, there's not many. They'll just more shit.
0: Anytime there are three play revivals and three musical revivals, the categories are automatically separated. If there are fewer, the Tony Awards Administration Committee may still choose to split the categories if they like. Okay. There's also the idea that there's less than three uh, of a type, uh, either play or musical. They could just choose to not give out an award that year. Now. Have they ever done that? They have not. But there's been a couple years where it came close. This year is one of them. Because with the, musicals, we have with musical revivals this Me year, Kate. we only had two yeah Kiss, that were that opened in the season, right Kiss right Me Kate and Oklahoma. Right. They decided to keep the category intact. And I'm guessing because they really want to give Oklahoma this award. Fingers crossed. Yes. Now, this is an interesting year for revivals in general, because we are living in a time where. In the last couple years, beloved pieces are especially musicals. Yeah. Are being looked at with a
1: more critical eye
0: a more critical eye in what the what messages are within the right line. right
1: we're looking we've I would say in the past couple of years we've looked at a lot of like beloved but problematic in our time plays and yes. like do we still do them and if we do them, how do we approach them
0: exactly kiss me Kate was one of those and, sure and and here's okay so here's what I'll say it the same thing happened with carousel last season
1: carousel and I would say my fair lady. To some degrees, yes. has the same kind of –
0: Is that there's a problematic element when it comes to how the female leads are treated in these. And with My Fair Lady, they chose not to change a single word and just change an aspect of how the performances are done. Right, and intentional. And, yeah, that they cast Henry Higgins as younger, so he wasn't quite the same sort of authority figure that he was. He was still with class.
1: Right, they were playing far more with class than with age and gender.
0: yeah. And they let Eliza have far more of a sense of creating her own destiny, which is uh, something that uh, Lauren Ambrose brought to the role. More self-authority. Yes. And apparently um, Laura Benanti did even like more so when she took over the role. Um, Then you have Carousel. You have Carousel, which decided to not deal with it. At all. But also and also make it worse. But yeah. And then by <laughs> and then by trying to not deal with certain things made it a whole lot worse. Yeah. Like the slap thing that didn't happen.
1: <laughs> the slap hurt not past the first row.
0: <laughs> that wasn't even the thing that So slap not
1: hurt around the theater. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on, I'll, I'll <laughs> do my impression. OK. Right. Like, oh, I'm not going to listen to you. Who are you? Get away from me. And then the well, audience went, oh.
0: <laughs> so they decided to not deal with it in a very bad way. Right. And I, and as we said, seemed to make things a whole lot worse. Um, the current uh, Broadway revival of Kiss Me Kate decided to take cues from other productions that have been done recently and actually rewrite sections of it and restage it so that things...
1: Were a little more s- equitable, but yeah, also like, not as potent.
0: Yes. like it, Like, well... I actually applaud the changing of the – in uh, Kate's final song, really, about why should women be so – Oh, uh uh-huh. Changing it from women to people. Yes. Because then it's about why do, does anyone in a relationship, like, act these ways. Yeah, I agree. And I approve that. But then by making Kate – Nice. S- nice and also not having really any agency in anything, it just kind of ruins – the push and pull that the characters need to have.
1: Yeah, there was really no tension between them other than he was very egotistical.
0: Yeah, which, fine.
1: Whatever. I mean, he is, but she's not a pleasure to work with either, as told by any of the characters. Yeah, they,
0: like, it's a general consensus that these are two highly egomaniacal characters, and if they push, in my opinion, if they give and take at the same level, then it's okay.
1: It's, yeah, because there's an... An equal uh, uh, dispersion of yeah. responsibility and, and fault.
0: Right. And so by lessening that, I feel like it kind of took the claws out of the show. Yes. Whereas the Revival of Oklahoma took some very problematic material and leaned into it in a way that actually made it extremely modern. Yes. And really cool.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think I think the way of looking at it is you kind of have to, if you're going to show do these shows, yes. you have to show the wards. Yeah. Because otherwise it feels like you're trying to erase it or forgive it. Yes. And And I I don't think think that's that's helpful.
0: I agree that by trying to uh, make it so easily palatable, then it's like, why do that? Just make a new show.
1: Exactly. That's what you're
0: doing. I find it really fascinating that the revival of Oklahoma dealt with sexual tensions that were really interesting that is in the work.
1: Yeah. Uh, they didn't. They at, really didn't do anything that wasn't in the work.
0: Yeah, aspects of racism and the frontier and the way that uh, gender is played. Mm-hmm. Very fascinating. Agency and yeah, like power. And, and she is given so much agency in this production. Yeah, and just naturally, it was there. Like, there's definitely like there's some hit and misses in that production.
1: Of course, but still in every production of anything.
0: Exactly. One other aspect that they changed this year for revivals that I really appreciated, in regards to a show that was never on Broadway. Every time it then shows up on Broadway the first time, they have to make the decision about is it what they consider a a play or a musical that is part of the national consciousness uh-huh. at this point, meaning has it had multiple regional productions? So you're talking like that.
1: about something like A. Hedwig where exactly. it was put into the revival re- even though it had never been on Broadway.
0: Exactly. Which means it's not eligible for things like book and music. Uh, because those are the writing elements. Right. But it's up for pretty much everything else, every design and orchestrations and acting and mm-hmm. directing and revival. Uh, there's been, this year, a couple plays that they changed uh, some aspects on in terms of rules. As I said earlier, that the award is given to the producers. When a new play it makes its Broadway uh, premiere, if it's nominated for Best Play, the award is given to the producers, but also the writer. Okay. Revivals, the writer doesn't get it unless Uh they happen to also be a producer on it. Sure. What they changed was if a play had never been on Broadway before and it makes its debut and it's considered a revival, the writer is also given the award. Okay. And this year, uh, The Boys in the Band, that is the case. Oh, good. Matt Crowley is actually up for a writing award uh, Uh, as uh, the writer of it.
1: He will get an award if it wins Best Revival of a Play.
0: Yes. That's good. Also, what they said is that if a player musical that was on Broadway before, in its revival, is given drastic rewrites, sure, the writer is also eligible again in this case. And this year, Torch Song Trilogy, which is now Torch Song, right? Harvey Fierstein won Best Play for it when it was originally on Broadway, uh-huh.
1: but he extensively rewrote it I mean, and condensed he, it. I mean, it needed to be.
0: Yeah, and so he is also eligible for okay. it if it wins this year. That so one I'm eligible.
1: less enthused about. I guess, but it makes it's, sense. It's fine. Yeah. I'm just saying I far prefer it to be like, this was never on Broadway, but we're still putting in revival because it feels like people know it. They should get a writing award. Yeah. I get it.
0: So in this brief history of this, we've been having a lot of ebbs and flows in terms of what kind of shows get nominated and what kind of shows are getting produced as revivals. And earlier, as we were saying, in the 70s, there was a lot of like interesting stuff happening. In the 80s, it kind of slid into more like, oh, there's stars who want to do this show, or we just want to mount this revival. Right. And it became a little more boring. Uh, but the 90s, again. Really
1: up the stakes. It
0: really up the stakes. And at least in terms of how we modernly think of uh, revivals of so plays and musicals, there was like, <laughs> there was Carousel in 94. Uh, in the early 90s, yep, which, was... which changed it to basically taking place on the surface of the earth. And it's apparently like beautiful, wonderful. There was the revival of Cap- Chicago,
1: oh, uh-huh. which, which
0: completely changed. Is how we
1: now see that show.
0: Exactly. Same with Cabaret. Cabaret. It happened. And then, and this was apparently not a great revival, but still one uh, after that. The revival of uh, Annie, get your gun. Where they with
1: Bernard Peters.
0: With Bernard Peters, where they completely staged it as if it was part of a like a wild like a, uh, a Buffalo uh, Bill yes, stage show. Exactly. Which again, this was a lot of the birth of the concept stagings. Sure. Which I am not against in any way, no? shape, or form. But then there's also good examples in the two uh, thousands of say like Pajama Game or South Pacific, where they didn't really like reconceptualize what the show was, but they found a way to breathe new life into it. Sure through like great direction and acting. Yeah. And that sort of thing. And I feel like right now we're in that kind of flux where the two things are Art trying to happen compete at exactly. the same time. Cuz you have John Doyle who does what he does with reviving shows. Mm-hmm. Stripping it down and sometimes it works really well like in uh company. Todd but especially Company. And then the times where it doesn't work quite as much. And it it's up being more distracting than helpful. Right. And then there's the people who are trying to just breathe life into it by it's like oh we'll direct it and cast good actors and then they end up being just kind of oh that was ho-hum right so we're having some so you, and you
1: ba- basically have those competing right now in best at revival of a musical in revival of musical we it have feels like especially directly. only because it's two with like oklahoma new conception mm-hmm. completely different yeah to kiss me kate which is kind of like it's new
0: <laughs> Look, we fixed it. Um, did you? Oh,
1: anyway. Yeah.
0: And revival of a play is a little more boring because it's not as much of that. But the only thing particularly interesting is that we get a lot of shows that were never on Broadway mm-hmm. or haven't been for a while. It right. Including Waverly Gallery, which never made Broadway.
1: Oh, okay. I didn't know that.
0: Oh, yeah. It was off-Broadway and got nominated for a Pulitzer, but this is his first time ever on Broadway. Hi. And then there's All My Sons, which...
1: We don't need another production <laughs> ever again. Yeah. yeah.
0: Which, actually, I, I just thought about it. Uh, All My Sons won for Best Play, the very first Tony Awards, and Kiss Me Kate won for Best Musical, the very first Tony Awards.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. That does not bode well.
0: Yeah. So, Tonys...
1: Don't do that again, please.
0: And it's just like last couple tidbits of stuff for you. Oh, tidbits. I know. Um, they and They've been sort of hinting at a number of these as we've been going on. Obviously, uh, if we look at the most revived uh, playwrights over time, actually, like I would say over the entirety, but especially since the Tony Awards have been around, who would you think would be the, the highest uh, number produced American playwrights?
1: Playwrights, or does that include musicals? No, i am okay, just doing playwrights. playwrights here. Arthur Miller.
0: He is second, but it's coming really close now. Like, he wasn't as much. And then the last uh, 20 years, he's been uh, like being produced constantly. Albie? Okay. No, although he is starting, he's getting a little bit of resurgence now that he's dead.
1: Neil Simon?
0: No, not even close. Oh. People don't revive his plays very often. Mm. It was always like first productions. Okay. O'Neill. <laughs> Eugene O'Neill consistently. Uh, even not that long after plays originally were produced, they, they were revived constantly, usually because an actor reached the right age to do something or they wanted to just remount it. And his plays have been nominated consistently. He uh, His plays have only won twice. Uh, Marie Christie in 1993. And um, the revival of uh, Long Day's Journey Tonight that had Vanessa Redgrave and um, Brian Dennehy mm. and Philip Summer Hoffman and uh, Robert John Leonard. Right, right, right. In the early 2000s. Uh, but O'Neill is getting super close to that. Who, uh, who would you think would be the most produced non American playwright?
1: Shakespeare? Yep, <laughs> very easily. <laughs> that, this podcast episode proved that.
0: Yes, very much. Uh, and what would you say would be the most produced on Broadway? Um, non English speaking playwright,
1: non English speaking playwright.
0: Yes, or whose plays were originally not in English.
1: Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This French? Point, Are they French?
0: Well, here's the thing. There's not a good number to say exactly which is better, which is higher. The the French comes at this point second.
1: Okay, so it's oh, it's Chekhov. Yeah. Okay.
0: Chekhov is number one. Number two is Moliere.
1: Uh, yeah. That's what I was going to go for.
0: Yeah. Although in the last, obviously, 30 years, that's been trailing off more and more. But, sure. But yeah, for a long time, he was produced constantly.
1: I'm psychic again. Hooray.
0: Hooray!
1: Don't mock me. Are we moving on next episode to <laughs> the Tony, like how the Tonys have evolved? Is it? That...
0: I haven't decided. Oh, okay. uh, do you have a preference of what we do next time? No.
1: No. I was definitely more knowledgeable about this subject. Than I was about movies.
0: That surprised me. I know you know a lot about theater.
1: Well, that's the what it is, I think. I know a lot about theater. I don't necessarily, you know, I've only lived in New York for mm-hmm. going on six years now. Yeah. But Oh, God, it's been that long. I know.
0: Oh, actually, there's one last thing I want to say about the Tonys in general. That is just a strange concept to me when you think about it. Oscars. Movies are shown everywhere. Uh, Emmys. TV shows. Mm-hmm. Grammys. Uh, everyone has access to music. Tonys are for... Plays and musicals done in one city in one small block. I know, I was gonna say and it, how to, not
1: one small block in a in a yeah. in a one neighborhood.
0: Yeah. And yet it's considered like the for all of America, the theater award. Yeah. And I mean, I was a kid and I used to love watching those telecasts because they're the most fun. They're yeah. dancing There's performances. and singing and performance. It's actually like an entertaining show. You're also
1: learning about things that you didn't necessarily know and
0: Yeah. And if you're not in New York, then you get to say Hey, that show looks really cool. I hope it tours, or I hope or I'll if get, I get that album. To... Or yeah, I yeah. used to get cast albums for stuff all the time. Right. And it was how I started to learn a lot more about the yeah. thing that's happening. But it's still such a weird concept. If you think about it, that so many people don't get to actually see these things. And yet, and yet we're doing a national broadcast because we're it.
1: still the Tastemakers, <laughs> Tony's the Tastemakers.
0: And if you can't tell, he was doing a Mentos a little pose with that.
1: And if you think we're taste makers, <laughs> you should turn into our other Thwarp Inc. family of podcasts. That's T-H-W-O-R-P-I-N-C. Like Podletum. That's America's Next Top Model podcast backwards, where me, Hannah Jane Ginsburg, and J.W. Crump discuss America's Next Top Model all the way back from cycle one, episode one. Um, we also have another podcast that is not appropriate for this, but where it's um, me and Chris and our friend Hannah Jenkinsberg kind of talk and answer your advice questions and is very not child suitable. But you can find <laughs> either of those if you search Thorp Inc. That's T-H-W-O-R-P-I-N-C on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, however you get your podcasts.
0: And if you have any advice about what sort of things you want us to talk about here, feel free to let me know.
1: Feel free to send a DM to um, our Instagram, which is at Thorp Inc., T-H-W-O-R-P-I-N-C. And uh, just let us know what you'd like to hear.
0: And if you have any ideas of how to torture Alexander, Uh -uh. be sure to let me know. Please don't. (laughs) So for
1: Thwarping, I've been Alexander Price.
0: I'm Christopher Basile. And should we remount this thing?
1: I guess. Bye. (laughs)